Welcome to The Cheer Athlete. Today we have with us Mason West. And this is an interview that I did with Mason back in 2020 during the pandemic. Uh, Mason is a physical therapist in the Chicago area, and he is doing wonderful things with the treatment of concussion. He is leading the way to uh, better post-concussive rehab and um, return to sport. Um, it's a great interview. You'll get lots of tips for how to reduce your concussion symptoms and improve your strength and conditioning overall. Give it a listen and let us know your feedback afterwards. The debate on whether cheerleading qualifies as a sport is ongoing. There is no doubt, however, that cheerleaders are athletes. In the Cheer Athlete podcast, we'll dive into all things that may affect cheer athletes who cheer. If you're interested in the sport of cheer, then this is a podcast for you. We'll talk with industry leaders and cheer enthusiasts who keep the sport of cheerleading progressing. I'm your host, Laura Turner, aka the Cheer PT, and I look forward to helping keep your, your athletes healthy and safe and on the mat ready to progress and hit zero at all times. Let's get on with the show. Good afternoon, everybody. Thank you for joining. And uh, today, this evening, we're going to talk with uh, the very fabulous Mason West, who is a physical therapist in the Chicago area. And uh Side note, he's also my nephew, so I'm, I'm a little biased, but I think he's doing some really incredible stuff, um, especially during this time, this pandemic time. Uh, and so uh, I wanted to talk, Mason, he's, he's passionate about concussions. And um, so I wanted to get on and talk a little bit more about strength and conditioning with him. Uh, so Mason, tell me a little bit about your background and your journey to becoming a physical therapist and uh, where you're at today. Yeah, so um, it really started, originally I was going to do orthopedic surgery, and then I got a chance to shadow for an entire semester with an orthopedic surgeon, lovely woman. Um, I just found it wasn't for me because I found it to be a bit boring and not as you know in-depth with patient care as I wanted to. And then unfortunately, my junior year, I uh, tore my ACL playing lacrosse, um, and then that got to see the PT side of things, loved it. Um, so that's what got me the passion for it. I uh, went to University of St. Augustine to get my doctorate of physical therapy. A lot of emphasis on hands-on, things like that. Uh, and then after that, looking back into my athletic career, I suffered at least four, I think it was five, <laughs> concussions diagnosed officially. Um, and, you know, who knows how many undiagnosed. Of course, treatment, everything today is so different than then. But that really, I thought back to them, like, okay, this is a very underserved population. It, it has so many ramifications long term. Let me get more detail on this. So I've taken a couple of courses. Fortunately, when it comes to concussions, right, there's not that gold standard. This is what you should do. So it's really about <laughs> compiling information, comparing it to research. Does it make sense? And then, you know, from there, putting together your own personal best practice and how you treat them. That's very cool. That's very cool. Uh, I didn't realize you had had that many concussions. That's a, that's incredible. And and for you to be able to uh, focus and get things to heal so that you got through, I mean, because I know also in between your undergrad and grad that you have another degree in there and that you were working yeah. and doing uh, some research type stuff also, mm -hmm. right? And so like, first of all, that's just, it's incredible. And like to be able to put the pieces together, but then post-concussion, I think that's even amazing. So what kind of, um, uh, what kind of things are you starting? Are you seeing like we about to treat concussions as far as mm -hmm. in the PT clinic? Yeah. So when someone first comes in, usually with a concussion, it's 
obviously they've been diagnosed at this point already, so I don't have to do too much in saying whether or not you have a concussion. Um, it's more about putting them into certain categories. So are you cervical? Are you, you know, is it vestibular or is it essentially ocular? Usually it's a combination of all three of those. If not, you know, one or two might override them. But then once you find that, you really start to get specific with it. So is it your best, you know, the inner eye that's not working? Is it left ear versus right ear? You, and, after, you know, after that, you also have to clear the obvious stuff, PPPV, things like that. And if you clear all those kinds of things, then you can really start to hone in on the specifics of the neck mobility, the neck strengthening. Uh, and that, or combining that obviously now with some of the vestibular components or ocular components, challenge those to return them back to what they were supposed to be. You know, and it doesn't matter if you're you were gardening and you tripped and hit your head that way, or if you were playing football. You know, at the end of the day, you need to get them back ready to take on those kinds of things because anything can happen at any point in time. It doesn't matter. I try to try. To, I try to treat everyone like they're an athlete because that's at the end of the day. I find that that's the best way to go yep. about it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm a firm believer that, like, like you said, gardening is can be an athletic activity, you know, and is I mean, can some people go hardcore and it's it's really intense. So I think you're right, like treating everybody like an athlete and and putting the uh, expectation on them to to keep pushing ahead and getting better and, and challenging and getting them back to their baseline is is key. Um, so what kind of so. Uh, what would you recommend for someone to help prevent a concussion or um, I mean, you know, obviously traumatic, you know, stuff happens and whatever, but beyond that and like doing the best you can to reduce the risk. Um, so when it, comes, yeah, when it comes to reducing that, it's really about knowing some also for you individually, what maybe some warning signs might be. So if you're already someone that has headaches, if you're already someone that has, you know, needs to use glasses, if you're already someone that has neck pain, things like that, you're going to have to probably do a little more than maybe someone that doesn't have those kinds of things. Um, and then when you look at it, you know, in terms of that prevention, if you're going to do an activity that you know has that chance, again, we talked about gardening, to snowboarding, to playing football, um, you're going to have to then do some of the strengthening things that you would need to do, because inherently the way we live, posture forces us to not use the right muscles. And so everyone falls into that category. And then not just the pure strength component, but we're going to have to ultimately look at also that brain to muscle connection, right? Like, so does do the right muscles turn on at the right time so that over that, that period of time that you're not getting those, you know, when you get a smack on the head, your body can absorb the force, distribute it properly and move on. And then on top of that, it's not just limited to the neck, unfortunately, or obviously you have to go up and down the body. There's a lot of really cool research out there that's showing things just as crazy as pelvic instability can increase chances of getting a concussion so you know all of those things are stuff we have to take into account when trying to prevent one that's, that's a, definitely new info for me like and it's, it fits right up my alley because I think looking at whole body is important in everything that we do and uh, I like that there's research coming out to show that because so often we get we get focused in PT on just treating the site of injury and yet there's so much more that goes around than just an injury right, and, right. or, you know, or preventing an injury, like getting stronger doesn't just include neck exercises, mm -hmm. um, you know, like it includes. So uh, are there any, can you give some like ideas of without necessarily demonstrating, but just kind of talk through what yeah. different things might be that you would do? So a lot of times, let's just say we're talking about purely cervical. We're going to go look at the neck only. Um, you're going usually right. We're going to overuse the upper trap. We're going to end up in that forward head posture here. So there's tightness in those suboccipital, you know, those posterior suboccipitals, everything like that. 
So first off, we do need to just say, okay, get into that right posture and not just shoving our chin back because now we're extending into the upper back, but right more of a rotational do that chin tuck because we need to hit that longest coli, longest capitis. And inherently when you strengthen the longest coli, longest capitis, they, uh, you know, will also help those multifidi that have in the neck, which is reinforceable. So the bare minimum, just doing these, the little chin tucks, probably, you know, not against gravity first, so laying down and doing those chin tucks. Then you can add resistance with the bands to be in a more uh, upright position. And a lot of times that's where a lot of concussion stuff stops because, it's, okay, great, now you're sitting and you can do all that stuff. But again, we're connecting it back to the running again. You're changing your position, right? You're hip hinging, you're down on the ground, your neck now needs to not just be stable here, but as you're now here and turning because you got to look at your parrots that are over there, you need to challenge that person in those various positions um, so that they're ready in those various positions. That's cool. That's, uh, I do a lot of um, postural education and uh, more movement-based and trying to like go from pelvis foot, really, but pelvis to, to head. Um, and, you know, the chin tuck is is a key thing. And like some people will really either jam their head back or move forward. And, you know, so uh, just find, you know, remembering that it's those deep cervical muscles that are, you know, needing to, and they don't have to have a lot of power and strength behind them, but they need to have a lot of control. Um, and it's kind of relatively small movements that help to get there and doing that. Yeah, yeah. I used to see people in the gym, like they'd wrap a band around their head and do I basically isometrics. I mean, I've seen some people long ago do like active neck range of motion stuff. And I like cringe, like, but I've played around a little bit with some bands, not recently, but uh, for like neck isometric stuff, mm-hmm. it's hard. Uh, and it's, and you really don't need much resistance at all, but it's, uh-huh. I, I like the stuff that you talked about a little bit better. And uh, um, cause I think it's a little bit more practical and functional, you know, uh, and yeah, I'll really get what you're saying, whether it's resistance or whatever. But at the end of the day, if you skip that neuromuscular activation of those, again, longest coli, longest capitis, those deep neck flexors, I don't care how hard you can pull your head this way to resist that force. If that should not be the first muscle that turns on, right? Those are the major rotators. That should be secondary. First, it should be that those deep neck flexors and multifacing. Okay, hold on. There's something here. Okay, now let me try to resist it. So, yeah, it's, it's so all inclusive. And like you're saying, you have to look at the whole body because even let's just say I'm sitting, if my if I train the neck to be perfectly set, but for some reason you're someone that likes to really extend in that you know rib cage thoracic area, now if my neck's perfect here, it's like, oh great, I'm looking at the ceiling. That doesn't do anything for me unless I settle those ribs down and activate through my the core and the pelvis. Right. Very cool to, to integrate that all. Uh, you before we came on live, you were talking about the lower extremity. Is it more into like lower extremity uh, that there's some research in the lower extremity as well as a pelvis or? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so before I get into any lower extremity stuff or even a lot of times the upper, um, I always make sure that I put people through the Buffalo concussion treadmill test. Um, I don't know that with that. So that's one where really you're, you can really do it as long as the symptoms, the symptoms will dictate it. The first couple of days, you don't do anything, but within the first week, you really want to do it. You put someone on a treadmill um, and you're monitoring their heart rate, uh, their rate of perceived exertion. So usually I just show them a scale because that scale is ridiculous. <laughs> if you just look at it, the research and the whole right. just boys were the ones that it was ridiculous anyway. Um, and then a Likert scale, just, you know, kind of one of those happy face scales and then monitor symptoms. 
So there's, it's a set protocol where if you're over, I believe it's 5.5, five, you're at 3.6 miles per hour below at a, at a lower speed. And then what you're changing is actually the incline every minute. And you're monitoring all of those things and the heart rate and everything like that. So you're going to stop that test if you know the heart rate jumps too high, if they want to stop it. That's one of the biggest ones, of course. Um, the symptoms by your standards are uh, jump up substantially. Um, and then the rate of perceived exertion, you never want to jump more than one to two numbers at a time. Then once you have that number, like their heart rate was, let's just say it was 135 when they started to get really bad symptoms, you have them work out at a maximum of 80% of that heart rate with time, you know, a week or two, and then you retest them again. Because now if you're, if you're going to get into a special resistance training, right, um, or if you want to come to running, that heart rate is going to increase and decrease, and that's going to change the blood flow in the brain. And, you know, you don't want them to bell salva and their blood pressure and heart rate shoot up and while they're doing just, you know, let's say a T for scaffolding stability. Um, so, yeah, always doing the buffalo concussion treadmill first and monitoring that throughout until I am like, okay, you're cool. Now let's get into some of the lower body. Right. Um, in terms of that lower stuff, so there's a lot, like I said, there's a good amount of research out there now. Um, one that I really thought was interesting is actually by uh, Gilbert et al. back in 2016, I believe. Um, they found, they took a bunch of Division One athletes and they found that the concussion risk in the lower connect chain changed. Um, based off of if they had a concussion. So if they had a concussion, you were more likely to get a lower body injury, like an ACL or something like that, up to 2.9 times greater uh, than if you hadn't had a concussion before. Um, and that also correlates the other way too, um, where they have found that if you have poor dynamic stability in the pelvis, um, then this one actually is a study by Johnson in 2019, um, that poor dynamic stability in the pelvis, they're at a three times greater risk of getting a concussion just because, right, you know, all of a sudden the pelvis drops and all your angles change, all this crazy stuff like that. Um, and then I think one that I really, that I use a lot is where you look at actually how someone's going to land. So if they land, if you're going to, let's say, do a box jump or a drop, a death squat off a box, let's say you're doing single leg, you land on that foot, now all of a sudden they have to stabilize, let's take a couple hops. Um, they found that there's also significant correlation with that. That if you know the more hops, the more you move that center of gravity from that base support you originally had. Now all of a sudden, same thing, your concussion risk goes up. I believe it's 2.6 for every inch that you have different. It's a lot, of, lot to look at. That's a yeah, and of course, yeah. it's it's tough because well, if let's just say working with an athlete, especially you know you're you're trying to get them back as quick as possible. But right. first, you got to calm down the, the, the concussion symptoms. Then you got to put them, check out the cardiovascular aspect. And then once you get all that set and you get the next, not finally getting strong, the scapula gets, scapula gets strong, that might be three, four, five weeks. Now you're going to say, hey, okay, I'm not ready to go back yet because I haven't, even, I haven't done the lower yet. And every time you land and you go into a Jenny Valgus, you can just see the hip goes all crazy. And now, you know, it's so it's a Same. lot to try to monitor that that mental aspect too, obviously, with someone like that. Yeah. And um, and yeah, it's and then of course it, you have to take into account even gender differences, unfortunately, because they found that females use more of a neuromuscular control, whereas males are strength. I mean, that kind of makes sense in terms of that. Yeah. So, and while you're going to do both with both, you know, if ultimately you're finding that that brain to muscle connection, which you know to to get any movement perfectly, it's I believe what is a hundred thousand times you have to do it before it integrates. That's a lot of reps that you're asking in theory this female athlete to do. And now she's just like, I want to get back because I'm disappointing my teammates and all this stuff. And you got to manage all that. Right. Yeah, there's, I think there's a big, there's a huge uh, psychological component that goes along. With, it goes with any rehab 
process, but definitely concussion because I've seen kids that have more depression because of the concussion and not necessarily because they're not doing something, but just because of the brain injury. So that side, like then you get into the rehab process and like, okay, I'm ready. I'm not, I'm concussion. I symptom free. Can't I go just go play? And you know, well, it's hard to get, especially youth players and youth, uh, you know, through high school, I think it's really hard to get them to understand, like, you need to slow down, you need to get yourself strong. And if you do this, you'll be better off and prevent an injury down the road. But if you don't do it, you know, because everybody thinks they're infallible and can just get out and go do it, you know. One, uh, um, question, one question I have pretty much all of my, uh, anyone do, is the TSK-11, which is really just that fear avoidance questionnaire. Mm-hmm. Um, because a lot of times what the what the person says and what they truly believe are very different, right? Because they might be saying, I want to go back, I want to go back. But a lot, they found that if you get over a, uh, over a 19 on this questionnaire, that you're 13 times more likely to re-injure yourself, whether that be concussion or lower extremity. So, you know, if they're telling me, oh, great, I'm ready to go there. And they, they do this and it just, you know, that doesn't match up. It's like, you're telling me this, but clearly you don't even want, you don't want to do this movement. You don't want to squat. You don't want to lunge. You don't want to do this. You don't want to do that. So how could I possibly send you back out there when you are telling me you don't, you can't go out there. Right. That's a good piece to have to, uh, I might need to get that from you again and find out where, <laughs> what the name of that is to, to find that myself. I think that's a good tool to have. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a couple questions here from John. Drisco, the athletic trainer at Algonquin that we talked with last week. Um, and so he was wondering for you, uh, how long did it take you to get back to normal after your concussions? Um, and each maybe after each concussion, did it take you a long time to recover? Uh, so I would say it was more an exponential thing. After each concussion, it took me a little bit longer to get back. Um, and then, of course, now you're talking about the difference between back I actually was playing and then back like you know, what I felt was normal. Um, so my first concussion I remember was my freshman year. And then I would say that I was because I, again, this was my freshman year was back in 2005, I think something like that. Um, and so back then it was so different. It was, oh, you hit your head, go rest. Don't do anything for two weeks. Come or whatever it is, come back. Oh, your headache's gone. Great. We'll send you back out there. So I would say that I never from that then into all the way till now had ever properly had the right treatment for myself. So I would say that probably all the way up until then, my junior year, I would say junior year of, of uh, not high, even high school, but like undergrad, I didn't feel back normal. You know, there were little things like a fogginess that was there. Um, there were things, you know, head, I still, and I'm working on this, we'll get to probably some of that neck pain that causes, that, that causes a headache or vice versa. Um, so... Yeah, yeah, I think I would one of those things did a disservice. I would talk to a coach, athletic train, even like the uh, training staff when I went to college, um, and be like, "Hey, like, I just don't feel right." And they're like, "You know what? You're fine. Get back out there." So, you know, my story probably a little different than what you would see today with that. With with that, but yeah, it was throughout the years. That's seven years that I didn't feel back to normal. Yeah, so I mean, I think that's a key takeaway. Like, I, I think. We, we all tend to shy away like, oh, we're fine, you know, and like it's important to talk and it's important to figure it out. And it still takes a long time to get back into feeling normal, um, you know, and and don't give up the fight to get there, too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, the fastest one that I would say got back and hasn't had hasn't had a at least reported concussion since um, they got better in 
three weeks. It was pretty. It was it was it was nice. It was really quick. The longest one, um, they had the thing. They had they were having symptoms for a year and a half, and then a month after, and then a month and a half after seeing me, then they were able to get back to being normal. So, short and yeah. long. Right. Um, uh, and as I t- we talked about with John last week, that it's you know it's really important to let things kind of heal and let that so that because of the higher risk of the second one and of longer term lasting effects uh, when you have repeated and you don't let things heal. And uh, one other question, uh, the, uh, the iron neck, he said the iron neck is a great device to strengthen the neck. Have you ever heard of it or used it? I haven't myself. I have heard of it actually in a UFC muscle arts circle. Um, again, I think it's great. Especially if you are someone that's going to have that high velocity, high impact kind of sport like football, like lacrosse, MMA, and girls soccer. I think that's the second highest concussions actually in athletics is female soccer. Um, and absolutely. However, if you haven't done all those pre-steps first, you're doing a disservice. And that's usually what people do to self-treat. You know, maybe a concussion or neck pain is like, oh great, I just need to crank this out. You might get better in the short term, but in the long run, it's going to be much more difficult for you to keep those symptoms away. Yeah. Um, anything else that we should know on or talk about on treatment of uh, a concussion or any, any other tidbits and such? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I would just say that, you know, like with most things, of course, you know, we're not all, we're, we are snowflakes in that regard where everyone's a little different with this. So each person is going to respond to stuff very, very differently. Um, and the best you can do to really, it, it's more of an art than a science, unfortunately, because you need to challenge the person so you meet their symptoms. Like if someone all of a sudden starts to get eye pain, that's not all of a sudden, okay, let's shut everything down. Or if someone gets head pain, let's shut everything down. It's like, okay, well, where are you within that? Um, because just like if you're gonna do a squat, your legs are gonna be sore while you're doing it if you're doing it right. So don't run from that, but at the same time, monitor it. Because if it's too big of a jump, that means you progress, give them a five, 10 minute break. I've had people where they've come in, we've done one exercise and we needed to take 10, 15 minutes lights off just to relax before we will get back into it again. But that was very important. And they made those small gains where all of a sudden from 15 to 10 to five minute breaks that they needed. Um, so, and when you're treating that person too, make it specific for them. If they're, they have trouble walking and getting you know down the grocery aisle, give them something to push. We'll have them push like they're walking down a grocery aisle, maybe even put like a, I have a projector that I use, I set up and I will put a grocery aisle on the projector. Like someone's walking up yeah. and down there. You can find videos everywhere. People, you know, use GoPros in the weirdest places. Um, like, <laughs> you have them, you know, look side to side, they grab something, how am I feeling, how am I feeling? You know, make it specific for that person. Cause not only A, will they'll get better, but B, they will have more buy-in because you're saying, oh, this is for me. And yeah. And they'll do their exercises because, and then it's more buy-in, and it's a very it's a positive cycle in that. So, make it fun, make it interesting, make it specific. If you find you're doing the same thing with every concussion patient, you're probably not doing them the proper service. Yeah, hundred percent. I agree with you. That's a, it's key. So, tell me a little bit about what you are learning these days, um, uh, and what what's your new and exciting learning. Oh right. <laughs> Um, obviously, I know there's a lot of free time on my hands. So besides helping to actually take care of my, you know, condo with with my wife better and actually, you know, help clean and all that fun stuff, I'm trying to um, really 
increase what I can do for the athletic population um, because that's ultimately something that's that's my passion. That's where it all this all started. Um, and so I'm personally I'm looking to get my CSCS. You know, most of uh, most PTs we have the basics that you can do 70% of that CSCS, but then there's all these crazy stuff like we get nutrition, but we don't get the okay. You have a 250 pound linebacker who's training this many weeks. Da, 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 how many carbs do they need? It's like, oh, look, I, I don't know. So that's what gym layout things like that that you don't get necessarily in PT school. Um, so I'm really working on to get that, which ultimately hopefully leads to me getting my SCS down the road. Um, that's a whole other thing. My, that's like a 10 year goal. Um, then really, really trying to help other people out by. Uh, increasing what I'm doing on social media, just trying to throw exercises out there. Unfortunately, we are in a time period where we're limited in what we can do. So, what are how can we grow our our workout regimens? And then not just that, but also same thing with the talk about the concussion. Do it correctly, right? I mean, there's people who are trying to crank out push-ups all day, but they're a terrible scapular position. So, let's try to give some education as to how to do that properly, so that when you finally leave shelter, <laughs> we can go back to normal. Um, you know, whatever net normal might be once we're all done with it, right. that, you know, in a stable position. And then especially for some of those athletes and things, you know, what if you're a, you know, senior spring lacrosse player and you're supposed to, in theory, next year go to school and partake in lacrosse? You know, you don't want to be in a position where all of a sudden you weren't doing all this exercise you were used to doing. That's what happened to me when I tore my ACL. I ended up because I didn't wrestle. Uh, leading up to that lacrosse season, all of a sudden it was like, okay, my knee wasn't ready for this, and it tore. So let's try to bridge that gap the best we can, so that when we again emerge from this, you know, where you're not just noodle out there and lose everything you built up all those years. Yeah. That's a, it's some awesome stuff. I think uh, I've been watching you, I know, on Instagram, uh, Instagram TV, I think it's called. And I haven't quite explored that myself yet. But I think the content that you're putting out is uh, is amazing. And like you you give just the right instruction and breaking it down. And, and the key takeaway from learning that, like why you're doing that, like so many kids right now are going to go back, like whether you're a freshman, senior in high school, going to be a freshman player, or anywhere along that realm, I think your pre-training season is going to not be, it's going to be different. You know, I mean, preseason usually starts in August for football, but like you're training before that. And so like, what can you do at home with whatever you have? And I think, I think the content that you've been doing has been really super important for that. And I think that'll really, I think you're doing it. I think it's awesome. Like, and so I will say, uh, why don't you tell us your, in high school and college, I did everything wrong. <laughs> I did any mistake that I talk about in those videos, I did before. So it's not me coming off a high horse. It's like, well, this is why I didn't end up being able to wrestle my senior year because I didn't do these things and it, and it ruined me in this, in this way. So it all comes from bad knowledge I used to have. Um, but That's you can... Find you on Instagram. It's just Dr. Mason West underscore Sport PT, um, and then from there you can get to the Twitter handle. It's you know I don't do as much on Twitter just because there's just such a big volume there. Um, I do more on Instagram because it's, it's also a more it's a more fun platform. I feel like to yeah. get through. You can find me there. Yeah, cool. And I will post that link uh, down below once awesome. I can get there and do that too. So. Mason, it was awesome to talk with you here, and uh, I love everything that you've been doing. And uh, it, like, 
the you mentioned something about like um you know, real functional training and things that are important to the patient. And I think that's, I don't, I try to do that, but I know that because I'm kind of old school, haven't always done that. And I'm, you know, but I really believe in that. And I think that's super important. I love that you're incorporating that and, uh, and, you know, uh, doing everything that you're doing. I think it's, it's really cool stuff and I keep, keep up. Um, and uh, you and I might get on and talk more strength training, hopefully in the future. So, cause yep. it's, for me, it's, it's, it's awesome. So um, we're going to sign off now and, but Mason, hang on and we'll say goodbye separate. Great. Have a great day, everybody. And we'll see you tomorrow. Take care. Thanks for joining us today on this episode with Mason West. If you have any questions, please leave them in the comments below or send me an email, laura at movebetterllc.com. And uh, if you like this, please be sure to share it and give the other two episodes about concussions a listen as well. It's really important that we do our work to reduce the risk of injury and reduce our concussions in cheerleading because it's a growing injury and we're just going to see more and more of it the more advanced we become. If you like this episode, uh, please share it out, like I said. And uh, in the show notes below, there'll be a link to the concussion series. Go ahead and give that these, the three videos a listen. And I look forward to seeing you next time. Don't forget, when in doubt, breathe it out. Take life one step at a time. And as my dear friend Drew Kelleher used to say, you're responsible for your own vibes. Have a great day. Thanks for joining us for this episode of The Cheer Athlete. If you enjoyed it, please remember to like, share, and review. Because when you do that, it reaches more people. And if you have any comments, please leave them below. I look forward to having an ongoing discussion. To access our free guides, for the, from the Cheer PT, we have a healthy day, seven day cheerleading challenge and a uh, healthy fit cheer, which will help you improve your jumps and your tumbling. And then the 10 top ways to prevent cheerleading injuries along with our concussions, uh, our concussion interview series. Any of these free guides you can find available in the links below. And uh, you know, if you have any questions, please reach out. You can always reach us at www.movebetterllc.com. Have a great day, live life without deductions, and keep cheering.